Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Good morning, Minnesota. It is August 28th, 2022. We are live for the first live Sunday take ever at the Minnesota State Fair. I guess we can't tell anybody that we usually tape this show on Fridays, but uh, that's because I like my Sunday mornings too. And that intro music has never been more appropriate with a little rain here at the Minnesota State Fair. We have a hearty crowd, so I want to thank everybody for coming out. Uh, We are going to have a debate for state auditor today uh, with incumbent Democrat Julie Blaha and Republican challenger and Republican challenger Ryan Wilson. Some might say a debate about being the auditor should be boring, but we're going to try to keep this a little lively this morning. After all, we are 71 days away from the election, and uh, I want to thank both uh, Auditor Blaha and Ryan Wilson for being here this morning. I'll give a little introduction, and then we'll get to opening statements. Before she was elected auditor, Julie Blaha served as a middle school math teacher in the Anoka Hennepin School District. She's the past president of Anoka Hennepin Education Minnesota and was the first woman elected secretary treasurer of the Minnesota AFL-CIO. She grew up in now then Minnesota, graduated from St. Cloud State with a BA in elementary education, earned her master's from St. Mary's University. She lives in Ramsey with her husband Roger and enjoys spending time with her family, including her four grandchildren. Ryan is an attorney, former CEO of a medical device research company that he co-founded and grew into a global organization co-founded Symbios Clinical, which later became a division of MedPace. He has his bachelor's degree in MBA from the University of Minnesota, obtained his law degree from Mitchell Hamlin School of Law, and clerked at the Minnesota Supreme Court. He lives in Maple Grove with his wife and their five children. We had a coin flip to see who would go first and who would go second, and uh, Auditor Blaha won. She chose to go second. So, Ryan, your opening statement for 90 seconds. All right, thank you, Blois. Thank you, WCCO, and thank you, Auditor Blaha, for being here today. I think it's great that Minnesotans can hear side-by-side two different visions for Minnesota and and Minnesota's state auditor's office. So I'm a lifelong Minnesotan. Uh, I was uh, born and raised here. I'm raising my uh, family of five with my wife, Janelle, in Maple Grove, and as Blois said, I ran a medical auditing company. So we audited medical device companies to help them bring their products to market. And so we know the value of a good audit and the value of getting information to people. Um, I've traveled the state, uh, up and down Minnesota, and listening to what people want out of their state auditor's office, what's important to them. And the biggest thing is they want information and data to be able to provide for their communities so they can make the local decisions that matter to them. And the state auditor's office can facilitate that. It can do it by empowering governments to be able to uh, uh, get the data that they need and then summarizing that data for the, uh, for the public. But the auditor's office can do so much more. The auditor's office can answer the questions that matter to Minnesotans. And so when I'm traveling around, I'm hearing things like, uh, Ryan, we just don't want numbers in a table. We want answers to the questions that we're asking at our kitchen table. You know, schools is a big thing. We're hearing, you know, is the money making it to the schools, Ryan? 
Uh, we're happy to give more. Some people say we give too much, but regardless, they want to know that once the money is there, is it making it to the classroom so the teachers can teach and the kids can learn? They ask about law enforcement budgets. Is the money that's set aside for law enforcement, is it helping us hire more police officers to make our streets safer? And so those are the real-world questions that Minnesotans, Minnesotans want answered, and those are the questions that I will answer as your next state auditor. Thank you. Auditor Blaha, your opening statement. Well, good morning, State Fair, and hello, audit fans. I'm so glad to see you here. Well, I'm Julie Blaha, and I love serving as your state auditor. Now, today we're going to get a chance to talk about the audits and investigations, support, pension work, data analysis we do. But let's start with why we do it. The reason for all of this is to protect your freedom to make decisions in your own community. Now, your auditor needs to make sure local government works like promised so that you can work with your neighbors to find solutions you know, that work close to home. And that's a big difference between my opponent and I. I'm here to support your, your decisions. He's here to push his own political agenda. Here are two examples that show that contrast. In 2020, a group was claiming widespread fraud against the first black superintendent in the Robbinsdale School District. They asked for an audit. We followed the facts, we found the accusations to be untrue, and we used the facts to stand up for that educator. Now that same year, my opponent was calling himself a Trump election lawyer, got into a car chase with a 70-year-old election judge, and filed a police report on him. Now that's odd, but worse is that even though the police said the election judge did nothing illegal, my opponent is still publicly implying the election did something wrong, the judge did something wrong, and that can promote big lies about the 2020 election. There is a clear difference. My opponent will be loose with the truth to push his own agenda, and I will use the facts to protect your freedom to make decisions in your own community. I am so glad to be here, and I look forward to this discussion. Thank you. We will alternate uh, who goes first, and if candidates want a rebuttal, they will be offered a rebuttal on the questions. Uh, the first question is to you, Auditor Blaha. Many have said that the auditor's office should be eliminated. Do you believe it should be eliminated? Why or why not? You know, that's an interesting question. What, one thing I'm really proud of is the fact that we're not having that discussion much anymore. You know, when I came into the office, that was the whole discussion. Should we even exist? One of the things I did right away was met with the people that had the biggest concerns about the office. We worked together, and we really turned the corner from that debate. I, I, right now, that's something I rarely hear anymore. Uh, Republicans have even stopped saying that they want the office to be undone. You know, they were trying for a constitutional amendment to get rid of it. Uh, but we don't have that conversation anymore. And it's because we did the really hard work of having tough conversations. And I'm very proud of the fact that it doesn't exist. And I also think why it's so important that we do exist is this is the office that focuses more local than any other statewide office. And I think any of us who work in our communities know that local government sometimes is the last place we get stuff done. You know, you get stuck at the federal level. Things can get tied up at the state level. But hey, local government doesn't have the luxury of an endless fight. We have to get things done. If local government uh, shuts down, shoot, none of us get out of our driveway for six months out of the year. So this is the place where we, I think, have the most hope. So I'm very excited that we have an office that focuses on local government. Ryan, do you believe in eliminating the office, or what's your vision for the future of the office? We definitely need more auditing, not less auditing in this state. Yeah, we've seen you know, multiple scandals, $100 million or more, over the last you know, four, five, six years. And we need a strong state auditor's office, a state auditor's office that will answer the questions that matter to Minnesotans. People ask that question. I hear that question still here, contrary to what Julie might, uh, might think. Um, 
that around the state, people are asking, why do we have this office? What does it do for me? What does it matter? Is it doing anything to help me on a day-to-day basis? And when I'm state auditor, you'll know who the state auditor is, you'll know what the state auditor has done for you, and in four years, you won't have a record absent of anything that mattered to you. And so we're going to go and we're going to change the office for the better. We're going to empower people to ask the questions and get the answers that they want. Again, not just numbers in the table, but answering the questions at the kitchen table. I'm Blaise Holson. We're live at the State Fair. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. I want to thank our WCCO radio debate sponsors for the entire election season. They are AARP Minnesota, Minnesota's Corn Growers, and Minnesota's Credit Unions. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll dive deeper into the role of the auditor and the two visions for these two candidates. We'll be right back on News Talk 830 WCCO. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back to Sunday Take. I'm Blaise Olson, your host. I want to thank our sponsors again, AARP Minnesota, Minnesota Corn Growers, and Minnesota Credit Unions for sponsoring the WCCO debate series. We'll have a series of debates over the next uh, several uh, weeks, including the Attorney General's debate, uh, the 3rd Congressional District, the 2nd Congressional District, and hopefully a Governor's debate. It is, uh, it's time for the next question, uh, and it goes to Ryan Wilson. There has been, um, over the years, a difference of opinion about the relationship between the state auditor and local governments. How do you go about ensuring that relationship is a balance between oversight and partnership when it comes to working with local governments throughout the state of Minnesota? Thank you. Obviously, partnering with cities is important. Being able to give them the information they need to be able to make decisions in their local community is essential. Um, But it's that line that was probably the biggest area of difference between myself and Auditor Blaha. Auditor Blaha uh, is a big proponent and the cheerleader for government. I'm a big champion for the people. I think that the first role of the auditor should be to protect the people's tax dollars and to ensure that those dollars are going to the programs that are intended to help. Because behind all these programs is a person. So when we talk about things like massive daycare fraud or child food fraud, there's people that need those services. And when that money gets stolen, it's not there. So when our, when our schools, when our schools fail and our, school, and our parents and our local communities don't know where their dollars are going, That hurts kids. It's not just about is the government uh, accounting for dollars in the right tables and the right funds. That's important. That has to be done. But it has to be so much more. It has to be about empowering people to have the information they need to make decisions and solutions in their community. Auditor Blaha, your response. I have to say, the middle school nerd in me is kind of thrilled to be being called a cheerleader. I'm just going to be honest about that. But, you know, if, uh, if saying when people are doing things right, as loud as I say when something, something, something is going wrong, makes me a cheerleader, well, 
Go Minnesota. Uh, you know, it, it's, it, we have to have balanced information out for people. And I think what I'm actually proudest of is not the idea that we have to call out fraud. I'm proudest of the fact of all the fraud we prevent. If you take a look at our audits, already just in the, just the first couple of years, uh, we already uh, basically fixed about $550 million in, um, in money in the wrong spot. That is how we avoided fraud, waste, and abuse. That came out of our audits. We made sure in tax increment finance, over $23 million was returned to its proper location. Investigations, we found uh, about $5 million in fraud uh, and counting uh, already. So we are doing those things. My biggest goal, my biggest goal is to not make the headlines. My job is to keep people out of the headlines. I don't mind being paragraph four where all the information is, but it's really important that I get ahead of things. And so, yes, I think there would be a difference there. Um, I think you might make more headlines. My job is to make sure that we keep people out of the headlines so your money is working for you up front. Auditor Blaha, the next question is, starts with you. There have been issues related to state programs. Does the oversight of state government fall within the state auditor's office, and should it be deeper and included in the duties of the state auditor? You know, that's a great question, and I think it's something that's been a real confusion on this race. You know, I, I saw it right away, uh, Ryan, you started out calling out the feeding our future issue and implying that, had, that that was my office. And you have since, and I appreciate this, you have since admitted that, no, this was something that was covered by the legislature at that time. Uh, but one of the things we need to do, I think, is make sure that everything is covered. When CARES and ARPA funds came out, my office stepped up to pick up oversight. And not only that, we've now expanded that oversight to the federal programs in Minnesota. What I would like to see our office really focus on is that day-to-day -day preventative work. And this is why financial audits are so effective. This is why single audits, federal audits, are so effective. This is why our uh, legal oversight is so effective. Uh, so if I want to know where the office is going, if you had to split things up, I want to do the day-to-day, -day, in the dirt, um, make sure your promises are being kept kind of work, as opposed to the headline-generating, um, opinion-subjective type of work that you can get in other places. Mr. Wilson, should, this, should state programs be more uh, included in the scope of the state auditor's office? Well, that's really a decision for the legislature. The legislature decides what the legislative auditor versus the state auditor is going to be auditing, and they've made that decision that most of the state departments are going to be audited by the legislative auditor. And then counties, cities, school districts, those are audited by the state auditor's office. But you know, uh, Auditor Plaha uh, mentions that the Feeding Our Future program did not fall with under her scope. Her staff would disagree. Her staff, in emails, has discussed how that program uh, was audited or will be audited by their department and how in the past Auditor Blaha signed off on the Minnesota single audit that specifically listed big fraudulent companies like Feeding Our Future as not having a required audit in. Did she raise the red flag? Did she identify the red flag? Did you hear Auditor Blaha saying anything about that to the news, to the Department of Education, uh, to the public so that that can be addressed? No, it's left unanswered. When I sign off on reports, I'm going to know what's in those reports, and I'm going to be accountable for what's in those reports. Blaha, your rebuttal. 
Yeah, that's a pretty bold misrepresentation of how an audit works. Here's the thing. The auditor doesn't decide how the audit works. And my staff doesn't even decide as much. The standards decide how an audit works. So what that discussion you saw was a detailed discussion about how the standards have to be applied legally. And we did. We stopped to make sure. Are we doing it the way we need to do? I'm proud of that discussion that we had. But let's be very clear. Um, when we talk about, we did follow up. Though. If you look at the single audit this year, you'll see that that was since they had a finding the year before, we did follow up. That's where it goes. You cannot have an auditor that decides how an audit should work based on a headline. You have to follow the standards. That's why people trust an audit, is because it's not about the headlines. It's not about making political points. It's about following the standards. And I'm so proud of the fact that we did that, which is exactly why our peer review is one of the top rated ones in the country. Thank you. The last question before uh, the break, this will go to you, Ryan. If you're elected auditor, would you seek more power from the legislature? I would definitely seek more tools and more funding to be able to answer the questions that Minnesotans want. Auditor Blaha sought additional funding to be able to help our schools, over a million dollars. The legislature gave her that money. She didn't use it. She didn't use the money that was given to help our kids to improve our schools. The next year she went back and said, I don't want the money, take it back. I don't know why, you can ask her why that, but we saw what happens when you don't audit and support your local schools, right? We saw the headlines in Star Tribune, the kids are at an all-time low in math and reading proficiency. When I'm state auditor, I will fight every day for our schools, for our cities, for our counties. I won't leave our kids in the dark, especially post-pandemic, when those kids need support more than ever. We need to know that the money is making it to the classrooms so the teachers can teach and the kids can learn and not being spent on bureaucracies. And when our local communities have that information, they can choose the school boards that will best serve their needs. And that's what I will do as state auditor. Auditor Blaha. You know, I am proud I work within my budget. One of the first things I started working on when I came to the office was to develop a school team. Because when I got in, I noticed that our office had not audited schools for over two decades. Uh, last one was in the 90s. So I started laying the groundwork. Because when I talked to school finance officers, educators, parents, they wanted to have more accountability, but they also wanted to make sure that we didn't disrupt the budgets and come in and, and have duplicated efforts. So we started laying it down. But then, then COVID happened, and all of a sudden, we need, someone needs to step up and pick up uh, a short-term uh, set of audits to make sure things work. So, you know, we made the hard decision to say, where do we need to be right now? We right now need to be watching this COVID money. So we said, we're going to put this on hold. And I alerted the legislature so they could use the money elsewhere. And, uh, and our next step, now that the COVID uh, stuff is running through, we're now be able to rebuild that team. But here's the thing. Yeah, you got to make tough decisions. And you know when I make them, I make them openly. I make sure that people understand them. And if the money isn't going to get used, I tell them early so they can find a better use for it. Uh, I'm actually proud of how we handled it. It shows that I'm going to have the right priorities when things get tough. Ryan, your rebuttal. We should expect our state auditor to be able to do more than one thing at a time. And when I'm in there, you've heard it over and over again, kids will be a priority. Our students will be a priority. We saw what happened. We saw what's happened in the reading and the math and the proficiency and the scores, and we have to make that a priority. We cannot abandon our kids, and that is what Auditor Blaha did. Let's be... Uh... Auditor Blaha. 
Hey, let's be clear here. Uh, you know, you can't do more than you've got money to do, and you have to focus where you need to be. I'm sorry, you do not get unlimited resources in this job. I wish we did, right? But we don't. And also, I think we also have to be really clear. You're talking about test scores. Uh, I know you've heard you said you wanted to pursue test scores. You're implying that schools aren't using their money properly. It's really important that we do not speculate on what's going on. You know, it doesn't matter what you think. It only matters what you know. And if the auditor speculates, you can cause real problems for schools who are trying to pass levies right now. And one way we cannot speculate is by ensuring we're doing time, audits and understanding time, how time. things are happening. You already had your rebuttal. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO, a special... Shout out to our sponsors, AARP Minnesota, the Minnesota Corn Growers, and Minnesota Credit Unions for sponsoring the WCCO Radio debates. We'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the State Fair. We're live with the State Auditors Debate. And thank you to our participants, Auditor Julie Blaha, Democrat, and Ryan Wilson, the challenger, a Republican. Thanks to our sponsors, AARP Minnesota, the Minnesota Corn Growers, and Minnesota's Credit Unions. The next question goes to Auditor Blaha. Auditor Blaha, you're part, you've been part of the state executive committee with the governor. Never before has the state executive committee had so many decisions related to the uh, pandemic. At any point, did you disagree with the use of the governor's emergency powers? No, that is a good question. Uh, and so, you know, one thing I'm really proud of as the executive council, and, and just a reminder, the executive council is made up of the, uh, the governor, the lieutenant governor, the secretary of state, and the attorney general, and myself. Uh, our job is to look at these things from our particular lens. And so, uh, yeah, we had a lot of discussions behind the scenes about how far should this go, at what point is this helpful. What I'm proud of is that we followed the science, we followed the best data we had at the time to make these decisions. And while they were tough, these were tough decisions. We had to balance out public health. We had to balance out uh, the economy. We had to balance out what was happening in people's personal lives. And we also had to balance out what people were willing to continue to do. And those were tough decisions. I am proud of the work that we leaned in, we used the science, and made good decisions. As opposed to, we had a lot of, you know, MAGA Republicans who spent their time criticizing from the sidelines without offering any real solutions. I am proud of the fact that we dug in, we worked like we had to do, and we followed the science when we did it. Ryan Wilson, if you were auditor through uh, and serving on the state exec executive committee, would you uh, speak out if you disagreed with the governor's use of emergency powers? Absolutely. And so what you didn't hear from Auditor Blaha was an answer to the question. She did not disagree with Governor Walls on any of his executive orders. And when you review the minutes, when you review the records of those meetings, you don't even see her challenging the governor's orders. When I'm, when I am state auditor, and let's hope we never have to go through another pandemic like we just did, but when I'm state auditor, I will be an independent voice on the executive council. Regardless if there's Republicans or Democrats in that council, I will stand up for all Minnesotans and bring my experience, my expertise, my knowledge to there, and again, ask the tough questions. And if I'm in the minority, I will go out and I will explain to the public why I disagree. And so people will know that there was a discussion and they'll know that their voices are being heard and that's what people wanted during the pandemic. They wanted to know that it wasn't just a monolith, it wasn't just groupthink, but that there were people challenging the extraordinary restrictions being put on them. And so again, when I'm state auditor and when I sit on the executive council, I will be an independent voice for Minnesotans. Auditor Blaha, you have one minute to rebut. 
Right. The way, the, what we did there, you know, if we, I try to work out as much as I can before I get to the meeting, right? We were in the trenches working it out together. It wasn't the first time I saw them at the meeting. And in fact, you don't have to take my word for it. Uh, I, I suggest you go to the office of the state auditor and go to our press releases. Under our, after each of those votes, or many, most of those votes, I wanted to make sure I gave out what my position was, how I made my decisions, so Minnesotans could actually evaluate my decisions on my actual, uh, uh, my actual rationale. So please, you don't have to take my word for it. Go to the office's website, and each of those, and you'll be able to f uh, read why I made the choices in that moment. I encourage people to talk with me and to push back, push forward. I'm proud of the work we did. Okay, at that meeting, by the time we get to that meeting, we've done hours and hours and hours of work. So yes, we get stuff done quickly. But make no mistake, we really work that through. Check our website, look at those, re uh, those uh, press releases, and you'll see what I was thinking through the whole event. Next question. The next question goes to Ryan Wilson first. One project that has faced bipartisan scrutiny is Southwest Light Rail. Both Republicans and Democrats have called for audits uh, and more investigation, both on the timing and cost. If you're elected, what would your vision be for the state auditor's role in Southwest Light Rail? Well, uh, what we saw over the last couple of years, I mean, since this project started, it was originally going to be a billion dollars. Now we've heard that it's up to $3 billion and three years delayed. The state auditor's office audits the Met Council every single year. In none of those audits was risk to the Southwest Light Rail's timelines or budgets noted. That is absolutely within the scope of an auditor. We've got the papers to prove it. And, and when I'm state auditor, we'll know the things that matter to Minnesotans. And so if we're auditing something like the Met Council and the largest infrastructure project in the history of Minnesota is being run by them, We'll go audit them as a major program. We'll go audit them, and we'll look into their contracts and their $200 million lawsuits. I mean, the, the uh, uh, government accounting standard, I think it's 62, uh, requires that these kinds of uh, what's called a loss contingency, so lawsuits, be noted on the financial statements, not noted anywhere. And so when I'm state auditor, I will uh, use all of the tools of the office, again, to protect Minnesota's taxpayer dollars. I will never say that's not my job or that's somebody else's problem. I'll get the job done. Auditor Blaha. I think you have, may have a fundamental misunderstanding of how these audits work. Uh, here's the thing. Um, if you're upset about the uh, overruns, you're welcome. One of the reasons you know there's a problem is because we ensure that those numbers are transparent. We ensure that you know when there is a problem. What we don't do is then, after we've given you that information, we don't go in and make the decision for you. We can't do that. We have to let Local people make local decisions. So you have that information uh, out there. In fact, this kind of gave, the Southwest Light Rail gave rise to one of the first uh, concerns I had about your understanding of the office. Three days after you, um, you filed, or you, you uh, announced your candidacy, you said that I was, uh, something about a, uh, uh, the governor was doing some sort of uh, vote of no confidence on me, uh, and I had to stop and explain which office does which audit. Uh, and this is another situation. My auditors, I am proud of them. They are absolutely following the standards on that Met Council audit. And I would love, if you have a thing that you think we're doing wrong, you need to tell us and not just make an, uh, uh, just accuse my staff of not doing their job. I, am, I stand by those audits. They're effectively done. This is why when we are assessed by our peers, they know that we do our audits correctly. 
I got Ryan Wilson, you have 60 seconds of rebuttal. The auditor's office has wonderful auditors. I've spoken with many of them, past and current auditors, and they know how to get the job done. What they need is a leader that points them in the right direction and sets the priorities so they can get that job done. The Southwest light rail was overrun, it was over budget, and to say that it was someone else's problem, that somebody else could have caught it, just doesn't match the facts. The lawsuits were there, the overruns were there. Part of a single audit is ensuring that the requirements of the federal government are being met. They weren't being met. And that's not, the, that's not the individual auditors on the ground fault. That's the leadership fault. That's setting the direction as to where those auditors should be looking. And, again, it's the largest infrastructure project in Minnesota. If you weren't looking at that when you audited the Met Council, what were you looking at? Auditor Blaha, Auditor Blaha you have one minute. Again, the auditor doesn't set the direction. The standards set the direction. As the auditor, if you push your auditors in a direction, you're putting your thumb on the scale, and nobody will trust those audits. In fact, those audits won't be, uh, won't, will, will, that'll wreck our credit rating, our bond ratings. We can't do that. You have to follow the statements. And to be very clear, that federal audit, uh, to suggest that they didn't follow federal rules, not true. That's not true. Now, you don't like the way they made their choices? Fair. I say we have that conversation. We continue to talk about that's fair. What I don't get to do is to simply tell you what I want you to do. You get to make that choice for yourself. And to imply you didn't know there was a problem? Clearly, we're talking about it. People knew there was a problem. You're listening to Sunday Take on News Talk 830 WCCO. I'm your host, Bloy Solson. Our debate series is brought to you by Minnesota's Credit Unions, Minnesota Corn Growers, and AARP Minnesota. We're going to take our final commercial break before we have closing statements and a couple more questions on News Talk 830 WCCO. We're not at the Chris Lindell Studios. We're at the State Fair live with the State Auditors Debate here on Sunday Take. I'm your host, Bloy Olson. We're going to wrap up. We have time for at least one more question, and then we'll move to closing statements. The next question goes to State Auditor Blaha. State Auditor, you serve on the State Investment Committee, and that committee oversees state investments, including 60 public pension programs. State Board of Investment recently decided to include climate change as a consideration for state investments. Why or why isn't this a sound strategy? Auditor Blaha? I'm so glad we have a chance to get to this. This is one of the most important things we're dealing with right now on the State Board of Investment. The State Board of Investment invests about one, uh, over 131, actually I think we're now over now, over $131 billion. And we have engaged in a year-long um, look at how is climate, climate change impacting our fund, not just national markets, but our fund in particular. We just got a report back that I hope you all read. Go to State Board of Investment and look at the climate change tab. There is a deep, deep dive into what climate change is doing to the markets. Uh, from that report, for instance, saying that a portfolio-wide strategy geared toward net zero has the best likelihood of maintaining or exceeding current forecasts. So here's the thing. We need to talk about climate change in our investments. Uh, I think we all know common sense tells us it's affecting things. What we're finding is even if you don't care about the environment at all, you need to think about climate change in investments. There are significant risks and there are significant opportunities in how climate is changing and how we're transitioning energy. Now, there are a group of MAGA treasurers and auditors who are attempting to discredit this. And the danger is that uh, this can have significant risk for our portfolio. So I don't know why you discredit this. The, 
the evidence is just overwhelming. And it's also common sense. I mean, how many of us are sinking our uh, retirement savings into coal right now? Uh, we are going to consider this so that we can best manage that fund. Uh, this is why the entire industry is going this direction. It is the state of the art at the moment, yet there are still people trying to discredit it. And the only way I could think of it to either protect big oil or a polluter, either way, if you care about good returns and dignity in retirement, you have to consider climate change as you invest. Ryan Wilson, should or shouldn't climate change be a consideration of the State Investment Board? Hang on one sec, a little technical thing. When I'm state auditor, I will not play politics with our pensions. We must put return on investment first. We have to take into account all the risks, all the factors, but we can't disproportionately dictate that this particular risk has to be accounted for. These, uh, these new programs, they're called ESG uh, they're starting to uh, look in heavy disfavor in the financial community. You see Forbes, Financial Times coming out showing that these types of investments by state pensions are underperforming the market. Auditor Blaha said coal would be a bad investment. But you know what's been a great investment over the last six months that we missed out on? Coal. So we need to be asking that our, our chief investment officer get the best return on investment possible for our pensioners so that our teachers, our firefighters, our union members our hard-working government workers, that they have, our, fire, our policemen, that they have the pension that was promised to them when they worked. I will not play politics with our pension. Auditor de Blaha, you have one minute to respond. We are long-term investors. You cannot be running around trying to day trade with my pension. How many of you out here have, are part of this pension? You understand. You know, here's the thing. Uh, the, 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 uh, again, the evidence is overwhelming. The idea that's falling in disfavor, it is only with a very small group of MAGA Republicans that are trying to discredit this. This is, I would love to think, I would love to think that Goldman Sachs is doing this for good environmental reasons. Come on, they're doing it to make money. They know it. If you want to get good returns, you have to think of both climate risks and opportunities right now. And in fact, we have one of the highest performing uh, funds in the United States precisely because we do consider risks well. We are a, a national standard, and I will continue to make sure that our retirees have the dignity in retirement by considering things accurately. Ryan Wilson, you have a one-minute rebuttal. I'll finish where I started. I'm not going to play politics with our pensions. Whatever the best return on investment is, that's for our chief investment officer to decide so that the money is there for the people that worked hard for it. Nope, nope, nope. You already had your rebuttal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to move to closing statements now. Uh, Ryan Wilson, uh, you will go first with your 90-second closing statement. Thank you, boys. And thank you again, WCCO, and thank you again, Auditor Blaha. This is a real service, I think, to Minnesotans to be able to hear these two contrasting views. I hope what's been made clear over this last hour is that when I'm state auditor, I won't just answer the questions that we have to answer, that we need to answer, but the questions that Minnesotans want answered. We talked a lot about schools. Schools will be a top priority for me. We have to know how our schools are doing so that we can make them better. 
so that what works in uh, Sartell might not work in St. Cloud, but works in Menomin- or <laughs> works in Moorhead might not work in Minneapolis, right? We need to be able to take those best practices and spread them out across the state. And an auditor that's proactive with our schools, that empowers our schools to be able to have the information they need, is the kind of auditor I'm going to be. I want to close with, with one other example. We haven't talked about legal compliance. We talked a lot about financial audits, but not about le- compliance with legal requirements. The city of Minneapolis has a requirement that they employ a certain number of police officers. They've been well under that number. It took a lawsuit by residents of North Minneapolis to finally get the city to act. State auditor could have acted two years ago and could have stopped or helped stop the slide and the crime wave that expanded since then. I will not sit on my hands as auditor. I will be the people's auditor. Auditor, auditor Blaha, your closing statement. Well, this was great. I, Blois, thank you for doing this. WCCO, thanks for giving us the opportunity. And thank you all for listening, both my supporters and those I haven't won over yet. Uh, I want, you know, this debate did show clear differences between us. Uh, I want to ensure that you have real choices, whether that be in a pension fund that keeps its promises to the nurses, firefighters, and teachers, and government workers that earned that dignity in retirement, to give you the complete accurate data and then get out of the way so you can make decisions with your neighbors and to hold those people accountable break their promises to the community with fraud, fraud, waste, or abuse. Now my opponent is trying to cast himself as nonpartisan, but his actions are telling a different story. His history as a Trump election lawyer, his inaccurate depictions of the office including what he just said in that last statement, and politicizing decisions like ignoring climate risks in investment, they make it clear that his focus on pushing his personal agenda. The choice is clear for Minnesota. I ask for your vote for me, Julie Blaha, your state auditor. Thank you for being here today. I want to take this chance one last time to thank our sponsors, AARP, the Corn Growers, and Minnesota's Credit Unions. I'm Blaise Olson. This is Sunday Take. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 